Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Alrighty, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. And today, another very special guest, all the way from the Northern Hemisphere. And by the way, it's not North America. He is from Canada, Mr. Tyler Lassard. Welcome, my friend. Thank you so much, Darren. It is an absolute pleasure to be here. And thank you for um, thank you for staying up so late, given that it's um, it's PM where you are, and it's AM where I am. And I just said to you that it's okay. The sun's coming up, so. That's a good thing. So I appreciate you doing that on a uh, on a weeknight. And I know you've got many uh, other things to do. No, my, um, my pleasure. My pleasure, my friend. I've been looking forward to this, actually, since <laughs> you and I chatted recently, because I know we've uh, got a lot of similar ideas in this new world of sales. So I'm, I'm excited to dig into it. Yeah, it'll be cool. And I, and I do want to delve into a lot of stuff and and maybe even a little bit of delving back into your past and, and talk about like you've done a bit of work at Deloitte's and even BlackBerry, because I know there'll be a lot of people listening to this podcast who have been in telecommunications and IT and remember uh, the BlackBerry, and I remember BlackBerry yeah. back back in the day. So we'll, we'll delve a little bit into that as well. But first, there is a question I need to ask you because the, the last time we spoke, uh, we had to slightly adjust the time that we caught up because you had a very important engagement that you had to go to and you were sharing with me at the time, Tyler... <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> that uh, your daughter was doing a dance recital, and part of it was parents get involved. Not just and parents, I, but specifically the dance dads. As the we dance are, dads as we are known. Sensational. Now this is on video, so we've actually agreed that I'm not going to ask you to do any specific dad moves <laughs> on the video. But um, the last time we spoke, you just come back from a practice, and I believe you've had the first actual competition in the weekend just gone by so please fill us in how did it go were, well, you, were we, you the number one dad <laughs> we uh well what i can tell you is that we were the number one routine by far well i should say the most memorable dance routine whether we were the best i don't know but i mean frankly just like in sales the most important thing is when you walk away from that discovery session that demo that dance that you do is that you are memorable. And I can tell you this routine with me up there in my sunglasses as a pretend bouncer in the club, wow. um, shaking my booty, literally. Uh, it was actually a heck of a lot of fun. Um, we did pretty good for our first competition of the year. Uh, all of us, except that one dad, we all know there's that one dad who just can't get the moves right. But we got three more to go. So, you know, from here on out, it can only get better. <laughs> Wow. And are these, these next three, is it the same routine or is it a different routine? Well, it's the same routine, but they'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll perfect it a little bit more each time. So <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's like making those cold calls, you know, it's going to be the same thing each time until finally those judges pick up and, uh, and we walk away with the, uh, with the discovery call booked. <laughs> Absolutely. So repetition breaks down the resistance, except for that one dad who no matter what you say, no matter how much encouragement you give them, oh, they just don't have it. it. They he's just don't have it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Your instructions weren't good enough, Tyler. I know what I'm doing. I'm dancing on the inside. 
<laughs> oh. oh man i could just imagine the uh and and the crowd would be going nuts um and i don't it, know about you but here goes yeah i mean it, it's a lot of fun my friend uh, in in all sincerity and it's something i've actually done for the last few years uh with with my young daughter who who dances there i have, I have two that dance there now and uh it is it's uh you know it's a great opportunity obviously to have some fun with the kids but um, you know, getting out there and making everybody laugh because that really is what it's about. The crowd does really get into it and uh, they just, they, they, they have a blast with it. So, you know what? At the end of the day, we're making people smile. We're making them laugh. And uh, if they're laughing at us or with us, frankly, doesn't matter as long as we're bringing a little bit of joy into this world. So, oh, absolutely. <laughs> and as you were describing that, and I'm just, I'm just picturing a group of dads on a stage dancing and perhaps thinking in their heads that hey i've got the moves like i did back in the nightclub in my day but from the outside looking it's like mechanical <laughs> just think about it but the key i guess the key parallel message there is and you can relate this to business and certainly sales is being prepared to do things that put you in a position to be judged to be laughed at to be ridiculed mm -hmm. to be rejected yep. um and yet still being prepared to do it because you know what i know why i'm doing this right and it's okay so what you think of me it's all good which is yep. which is when you think about it, a lot of a lot of salespeople have that that challenge with thinking, what if I call on the CTO or the CIO? And what if they reject me? What if I'm what if I'm yelled at by the gatekeeper, the executive right. assistant said, You don't, you don't get to see my executive because you don't, you're not worthy. Right. And how many give up, right? How many of those dads, and I'll be interested to know this, how many of those yep. dads double guessed or made an excuse to say, oh, got a sore calf muscle on my hips. I've just had a hip replacement. I can't do it. Who made excuses not to get on the stage? Well, it, uh, it was more so, um, you know, some of them had a few drinks to get them on the stage. It was probably more so that. Um, the Dutch but, but you're, you're, absolutely, <laughs> you're absolutely right. And the world that, uh, you know, I spend a lot of my time in the world of video in sales. And we see the same thing where it's, um, you know, sales reps who, it's like, geez, I don't know if I can put myself on camera. Like Zoom is one thing where I'm having a conversation, but, you know, am I really, you know, can I hit record and record myself delivering a message or doing a presentation or doing my own demo on camera and sending it over and, you know, feeling that, that nervousness, that hesitation, that anxiety. And, you know, I, I work with so many sales reps who, you know, I hear the story over and over again. They're like, that first video I made was absolute rubbish. And, um, you know, it took me 20 takes to do it and felt super awkward. And the second one was a little bit better, but still not great. And, you know, it took me to my 50th, 60th video to actually start to feel comfortable with it. Um, and along the way, yeah, you're afraid, like, is that person going to judge me on how I'm speaking or, or even looking in, in, yeah. in this video and I can't hide behind my keyboard. So yeah, these are all things that we need to, you know, more and more in, in today's world. We just, we need to get out from uh, behind and, um, you know, just, just find these ways to put ourselves out there. But mm. even in a digital world, um, things are changing and we got to be comfortable taking those risks and, and trying new things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember... Oh, when I started to doing doing videos and posting them up on LinkedIn, it would uh, it would sometimes take me two hours to do a two minute uh, video <laughs> or a five minute video because I was doing the same thing. I was yeah. starting and then I was thinking, oh, shit, I got to, <laughs> oh, I got my, oh, I was tongue tied. Yeah. And when you look back at it, it was I was it was stiff or words weren't coming out the way I wanted. But you know what? Kept doing it, kept doing it, and kept doing it. And hey, even when I started doing podcasts, if I listen back to the first few podcasts I did. 
I'm thinking, my God, that was horrendous. But over time, the more you put yourself into that position, the better you get, such as dancing, right? Such as anything in life. It's just breaking through that comfort zone. And it's not to say you're going to become an expert, but you become more comfortable, you become more authentic, and that will come across to the audience that you're actually having a conversation with. So, uh, yeah. hey, let's let's delve into that. But first, I want to I want to jump back to um, the Helsing days of um, when Tyler was a consultant and leading yeah. into BlackBerry. So, as a, I'll be really curious because what I love to like explore is, you know, you're at Vidyard today and you're the VP of what is it? The VP of Marketing and Chief Video Strategist, right? Which is a which is a huge responsibility. But I'd love to say, see how that evolved in terms of starting off at Deloitte, moving, spending 10 years at, at BlackBerry. Yeah. Um, was, there, was there things, were there like um, like embryos back then that sort of said, I'm, I'm now going to, I can see the direction yep. um, that has eventually led you to doing what you're doing today and particularly video. Because I do want to delve into the power of video yeah. today, particularly with sales. But just give us a little bit of a sense of the background yeah. and what you were doing back in the day that that perhaps has led you to where you are now. Yeah, well, it's been uh, an, uh, an interesting and winding path, frankly. I actually graduated university as an engineer, uh, systems design engineering program, and I actually started off in software. And I worked uh, for a few years at Deloitte Consulting, as you mentioned, on the uh, IT project side. I was doing database design and web development. And, um, you know, so I, I started off as a technical professional I uh, joined BlackBerry back in 2001. And for those uh, millennials listening, we're not talking about the fruit. We are talking about the original smartphone that kicked off the whole... I don't think I do. (laughs) I've got a whole drawer of them if anybody (laughs) wants to see them here. But uh, I I, I had the opportunity to to join BlackBerry. It was actually uh, based here in in my hometown, just outside of Toronto in, in Canada. And, um, you know, I started actually on the software side and working with developers who were actually building the first wave of mobile applications. This was before Mm. iPhones, before Android devices, uh, literally the very first web browsers being built on mobile devices. Um, I got to be a part of that, which was really exciting. But I found very quickly that um, I wasn't a developer at heart and I I could get by, but it, it just never felt like my best work. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always felt, uh, you know, a little bit more extroverted than many of the others. I, I felt, you know, more, more comfortable building relationships and, and engaging with people. And that actually led me into building out and running our developer and then subsequently partner programs where I took my experience in actually developing the software and supporting developers into actually building out a global partner program where I was then able to work with those companies um, across their development business practices as well as go to market and uh and ultimately then evolve more and more into being both uh, an executive on the partner team as well as one of our frankly chief evangelists out there in the community uh recruiting more developers working with yeah. um, wireless operators and even working with um you know cios at our large enterprise customers helping them understand how they could deploy applications so it was a really interesting path that i did not expect to go on frankly um, but as things evolved and I found what I was really passionate about, um, I really leaned into those things. And, and that took me on the journey that I think I was ultimately meant to go on and, and eventually crossed right over into the dark side of marketing, um, where I'm now mostly working with salespeople, let alone marketers. And so, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's a weird and wondrous path I've been on. And through that transition, did you find it hard coming from a developer world, which... 
I guess for all intents and purposes would be very uh, technical, very detailed to yeah, now have to be a little bit more um, expressive and um, esoteric for want of a better term. And, or do you think that was an advantage for you and certainly an advantage for you in terms of what you do today? Yeah. Well, I think there's uh, there's absolutely been a lot of advantages that have come with it uh, in my path into, you know, leading global partner teams into, you know, uh, leading marketing teams in today's world. There is so much a part of those that are just part systems, part architecture, part data. Um, you know, they're as much science as they are art these days. And so I'm feel very comfortable, particularly as a marketing leader, um, being close to the technology, understanding the data, being really focused on the analytics. Um, but I have a, a personal passion for the creative side. Um, you know, I, I, I've fallen in love with video as a medium. I enjoy writing. I enjoy being a part of that. So it allows me to, you know, kind of participate on both sides of, of things. And, uh, and I think it is an advantage to have that technical background. Yeah. And as I've moved more and more into the world of sales and, you know, which is where I've focused the last couple of years of my time here, um, I've really just become enamored with the whole sales tech space and all the exciting things that are happening to, you know, not just automate sales. Actually, the automation is the least interesting to me. I think all the great things that are happening to empower sellers in interesting ways to like create insights and, and um, you know, the kinds of, of, of data and opportunities that are out there. So it's been really, it's been really fascinating to kind of grow up in this modern world of marketing and sales with that data and, and IT background, yeah. but an appreciation for the importance of the soft skills, the creativity, the relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember back years ago, um, I mean, the old, the old time sales guys who would be carrying the bag, be knocking on doors and, and having lunches and stuff like that. And they were really doing a lot of the education of the customers because if you think about it, it was early days of the internet. Uh, buyers and customers didn't have uh, access to as much technology as they do today. So a lot of the a lot of the knowledge, if you like, was coming from the salespeople from the organisations, almost teaching them, you know, what the technology is about and how the technology is going to help you. If you look at what happens today, customers and buyers and potential buyers have got so much information available to them. So. As salespeople, it's so important to be able to differentiate and not rely upon just telling them about your product or service, but how do you actually do something that's completely different and use technology yeah. as a as an avenue for that? Because we'll delve into that. Because one of the one of the things I'm really curious about is is why video, and mm. I, I want to talk about that. Um, but before we do, what what kind of prompted you? Um, what prompted you to move more into the business development, the creative side? And mm -hmm. was there a point in that transition where you, and I, I don't want to say it's an epiphany. Maybe it was, yeah. maybe it wasn't. <laughs> maybe it was yeah. just a gradual thing, right? Yeah. Where you realized, you know, that technology such as video, the evolution of the internet, this is going to be big. Yeah. Was there, was there a, like a tipping point? Was there something, or was it just a gradual thing that, just working in that sort of zone, yeah. you kind of um, gradually got a hold on. Yeah, I think um, I think what really happened was in you know my latter years at, at BlackBerry, and as I moved into, I, I joined another startup between then and Vidyard as as CMO, and, and spent a lot of time there building out both marketing and, and product. And you know, I really got enamored with the growth of, as I was alluding to, marketing technology. And you know the evolution that was happening there, and that's really what drew me in first. I, I didn't have any specific passion or um, experience in video itself, 
Um, but the whole marketing technology space was really starting to, to come to life and, and it was very, very interesting at the time. And, um, you know, when I made the move to Vidyard, it was more viewing it as that part of the ecosystem. It was really a marketing technology company and it's now evolved to be both marketing and sales tech, but it was more about its place in the marketing tech ecosystem that really attracted me to the business. Mm -hmm. And I think it was a bonus that it sat at this place where it was part science. It was about, you know, video hosting and streaming and analytics, but it was also part art because we spent a lot of time then working with companies on their video content strategy. And we really got to walk the talk with respect to using video in creative ways. So I'd say I joined because of the MarTech excitement and ecosystem that was building. But as I got pulled more and more into this evolving world of video, you know, that's why I've been here now for, I don't know, 120 years, I think I've been at video. <laughs> um, no, well. I just celebrated my eight year anniversary. And, uh, but yeah, some people say like eight years, that's a, that's a lifetime and a half in the world of SaaS. And the reality is every two to three years, it's changed so dramatically. And then the world yeah. of video has evolved so much that it's, um, you know, it's felt like something new and fresh um, yeah. almost every year. So it's, it's been a really fun ride. Awesome. Um, I've got to ask you this question as well, because talking to a lot of salespeople, a lot of them are, are still stuck back in the 90s. Sure. Whether that be individual salespeople, but certainly sales leaders. And, and if you look at VPs of sales, you know, a lot of these guys, and it's a gross generalization, I know, but a lot of them are, are quite old school. Yep. I'd be interested in terms of the, the amount of, I guess, pushback or challenge you've had trying to, I guess, permeate the market with this power of video. Yeah. Um, how, how hard has it been to get adoption in yeah. in your space do you think or in the sales and marketing space yeah well i mean you're right there's a lot of sales reps who are still doing the running man and they haven't quite you know, <laughs> that's right um, bring it back to our dance analogy but uh, <laughs> uh that would be a good move actually i can imagine you doing that on the um on the vertical hey, on the yeah. if, if, if we're lucky maybe we'll uh, maybe we'll see it here by the end of the episode but uh I, I, you know, it's been interesting because we've actually gone through it in a few waves and, and there's some lessons learned for, for all of us. And, and so we've gone through this growth of video in marketing first, which is really where the market started going back, say, 10 years, where the even just B2B marketing teams, you know, it, it took a while for them to really embrace video as a communication medium, as a content medium, as a way to explain their ideas and their messages, um, you know, partly because it was difficult and expensive to produce compared to other forms of content. It was difficult to track um, compared to other forms of content because the technology wasn't as integrated. Um, but it's also not something that they grew up with in terms of their creation aspect, right? Most marketers came from writing backgrounds and, and sort of more pure journalism and design and brand, which, yeah. you know, again, sort of grew up with paying agencies $50,000 for a video. And so I think for a number of years, it was hard to embrace it because it wasn't natural. It's just not where they came from and not where they felt comfortable from a creating their own or using their own perspective. And that's changed in the last 10 years. Now, most organizations I work with, they have in-house video creators sitting right next to the writers and the graphic designers, and it's become a more consistent part of their cadence. Yeah. And I think in the world of sales, we're, we're actually seeing a similar kind of thing um, in a slightly different way. But we're, we're now starting to see, particularly the younger generation, as you alluded to, are getting really comfortable saying, well, we've got Zoom figured out like that. That was, you know, it took a little bit, but we got there. And, you know, now that we feel comfortable, we've got the webcams, we, we're all set up. 
um, that made it a lot easier for more and more people to start to say, hey, I can click record and record a video and send it off and use that in, in, in some ways. Um, but there's absolutely still a lot of sellers, both young and old, um, who, who aren't comfortable with it, who either just haven't given it a chance, haven't put in the reps to figure it out. Um, or again, they just, it's not something that they've really quote unquote grown up with. And so it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel efficient, right? When you take 10 takes to do that one video where you could have cranked out an email in one minute, you feel a little bit discouraged and you say, I'm just going to go back to the way I did things before. Um, but we don't, we, we never get ahead with that mentality, right? Um, we, we can't give up on something because it's not easy the first time or the first five times. Um, so we're starting to get there. We're starting to see more and more come around to it and figure out, you know, oh, it actually can be really easy. And I can see where it can play a role in my sales process, whether it's prospecting or, you know, explaining ideas to a client or even just following up with an existing customer and saying, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to reach out to check in because yeah. I want to make sure that you're being successful. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting because what I was going to ask you is from your perspective and certainly in the role at, at Vidyard, what kind of objections are you getting from, mm. from organizations? And, and my personal view would be, I think most of them who are not used to getting on video, as you said, okay, we might be comfortable having a conversation face-to-face. If we can do that now with, uh, with Zoom, that's fine. But you're asking me to do a, a personalized video to somebody to then send it, and I can't see what the response is, and that's going to take me about a, minute, a bit of time. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah. And so yeah. there'll be there'll be people listening to this today thinking, wow, I've never really thought about sending personalized messages or using it in my in my sales campaign. Right. And if you look at LinkedIn, for example, LinkedIn now has the feature on your own profile to do a little 30-second video, which is an introduction, right. which is probably an example of what we're talking about, correct? Yeah, I mean, very, very similar vein, right? It's that yeah. notion of, hey, I'm going to record a, you know, it could be 20, 30 seconds, it could be a minute could be a couple minutes depending on yeah. what it is you have to say but yeah. you know it's uh it's it it really is as simple as you have a message to communicate right to a prospect or a client and it doesn't warrant scheduling a live call or a live zoom so you want to deliver that message whether it's reaching out to them to try to get their attention whether it's answering a question asking a question explaining how something works Um, you know, walking through a customer story. Those are all messages that you need to deliver. And you have a choice. Do you want to deliver those through a written email? Do you want to deliver them through a text message or a Slack message? Do you want to deliver it through a voicemail? Or do you want to deliver it through a recorded video, right? Mm. That is just another option now of a way you have to communicate your messages. And it's no more complicated than that. But most haven't really sort of gotten into that rhythm of going, oh, yeah, it's just another way I can deliver my message. Sometimes it totally makes sense to just write an email. Sometimes it makes sense to send a text. Other times, heck, yeah. Why wouldn't I hit the record button, you know, bring up something on my screen, walk through it and send that over as a way to communicate my message? I think that's the really important thing that we're starting to, to figure out is it's just another way to communicate your message that can add a lot by bringing your personality, bringing in visuals, and just, uh, again, even being more personal and human, which is really important now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you think about some of the technology, like even with email, right? when I started in my career, email was at the at the beginning of its, I guess, evolution, right? Mm. And thinking this electronic mail, you mean I can actually type something 
send it off <laughs> and press the button and somehow oh, you're really dating up. yourself now there well this is like 1993 mate 1993 <laughs> And yeah. I was actually really? using an Apple Macintosh back then when I was working yeah. for a for a company, yeah. and um, but now we just take it for granted to the point where and this is yeah. this is the I guess the crux of what I'm going to ask is, I think a lot of people within business and salespeople are no different, are now relying too heavily on what they think is convenient and easy, such yes. as email, yes, where email almost becomes the default communication mechanism. Yep. But here's the thing. It's now at a stage where everybody does it. So it's really difficult in the sea of sameness to differentiate yeah. yourself. What I'd love to see and, and yeah. get your perspective on this, and, and no doubt you might have stats to back it up, but um, the competitive advantage that video can provide, certainly salespeople who are wanting to reach out to that maybe hard to reach person who you yeah. haven't been able to get a face-to-face meeting with, you haven't been able to get on a Zoom call, be able to do a personalized video and send it through Yep. that can actually differentiate you against your competition. Is that is that something you guys have started to measure and you've seen in the marketplace with the organizations and people you're working with that has actually come to pass? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, what, what we're talking about, I mean, there's a few different ways you can use these, you know, recorded video message that you send. Um, and, and one of those key ways, as you alluded to, is, is part of prospecting because one of the, you know, there's a few superpowers, if you will, that videos have. Um, they allow you to be more personal and human. They allow you to better explain ideas because we're visual beings and the way we process visual information is different. Um, but it also enables us to really stand out from that sea of static content and, and differentiate. And so that's a really important superpower of video for when you're prospecting. And we hear that time and time again as, as a use case where you know reps are again sending out emails and, and leaving voicemails, not getting a response. And then they send over a little video that they made for somebody. And it's a 45 second video where they introduce themselves, you know, touch on a possible pain point, see if that, um, you know, teases interest to have a conversation. And lo and behold, they suddenly get a response. And, um, you know, and part of it is because it stood out, but then also once they clicked play, they suddenly got to hear you, they got to see you, they got to know you in in, in less than one minute. And most importantly is the last thing, they got to trust you, right? Um, much more so than if they just skimmed your email and go, yeah, you and everybody else, thanks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. When they actually see Darren on camera, they're this 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 guy looks like quite the mate. I wouldn't mind talking to him, right? Because um, he's got so, a good filter. It's a good filter. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's got to be the filter. Uh, uh, and there is there's lots of great data that 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 has backed it up. There have been um, studies done by um, actually a great one done by Sales Loft. For those of you who know Sales Loft, they're you know, one of the leading um, sales sequencing uh, and sales engagement platforms. And they analyzed over 100 million email sends through their platform across their base. And they found that outbound sequences that included video messages had a 26% higher response rate on average than sequences without videos. And, you know, that was the average. Obviously, there's, you know, those who are the best in class who typically report two to three times higher response rates when using videos. And, you know, in some cases, you know, does it take a little bit more time to create a personalized video for people? Absolutely, compared to just copy pasting text. Um, But when you do the math and you go, geez, if I can get higher response, especially for key prospects, you know, it just it's, it's almost a no brainer. Um, so there've been a number of different, you know, studies that uh, have continued to, to validate that absolutely those videos get higher response rates. 
And there have been some interesting best practices that have also come about to say, well, what are some things that people can do to maximize that watch rate, that response rate? And, and some of those things are really important because, you know, just putting yourself on camera and saying the same thing you would have said in an email, it's a little better, stands out, but there's all sorts of other things people are doing to go from, yeah, 5% to 20% to 100% higher response rate. And those are the things that get me excited. No, that's cool. Because uh, I, was, I was just thinking as you were talking, whether there's a an optimum length of video that has the best kind of impact, whether it is that 45 second introduction yeah. or whether it's a two and a half minute video, maybe with a little bit of a demonstration to give a bit of a, like a teaser to what yeah. could be, it might lead to then a, a full blown demonstration. Is there is there some thoughts around that in terms of what's kind of best practice? Yeah, what we've seen pretty consistently is that in the early part of your outbound sequences, you know, before you've gotten any meaningful indicator or response back from that prospect is keeping your videos between 30 to 60 seconds, no more than 60 seconds for the early outreach. Because if somebody hasn't yet, again, raised their hand or responded, um, they're not likely to spend more than a minute watching you on video. So keep that first one short and sweet. And again, it's about building that early rapport, getting their attention and creating curiosity to create a conversation, right? Which is yeah, really what you're yeah. trying to do. Now, as you start moving through, of course, now you have more latitude to get a little bit more information in there, especially once people do start responding. So if you do get that initial response, now you're in maybe a digital conversation, now sending over a two to three minute video where you're actually walking through something they've expressed interest in, absolutely. And that can be a really great way to now start to warm up the opportunity to give them a little bit more rather than always saying, well, Hey, I'm sorry, wait a minute. If you want to, if you want to learn about anything, we got to book a 30 minute call, right? That's it's that or nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, we yeah. got to get over that and say, Hey, be comfortable sending them things that they can watch offline because often that's the mode they're going to prefer to be um, engaged with. And, and I think sometimes giving them that instead of forcing them onto live calls can be a big win and can actually earn a lot of trust with your prospects and, and help them buy the way they want to buy. Well, and it makes, it's, it makes so much sense because I, I just remember back in the days when, uh, when I was a, a, an individual contributor salesperson and the challenge I would have just trying to coordinate diaries. And particularly if you're dealing with a person who is relatively senior yeah. within the organization, which hopefully you're as a salesperson aiming at anyway, yep. trying to get access to their diary is, is almost impossible in a lot of cases mm -hmm. Sometimes you get lucky, you catch lightning in a bottle and they just happen to align. But most of the time it's like, you know what? I won't be able to see you until three or four weeks, sometimes two months down the track. Yep. So to have something to be able to continue to keep you top of mind where they right. can see things out of the, their normal cycle. Just see this, I don't have to personally be there, but they can actually see me. I'm having a personal impact. But not only yep. that, they've got that message, not just they can see it once, they've now got it, they can see it over and over again. So even if it's a two minute video and they watch it for the first time and thinking yeah, that was interesting, they might go away and be doing something else. They might be having a conversation with something else, uh, with someone else. And then all of a sudden they think, oh, I think I might go back and watch that. And they go back watching it for the second time. You now, right. because you're seeing for the second time, you're now building a high level of credibility because chances are they'll hear something in the second uh, second time they see it compared to the first time they see it. So as you rightly say, you're building credibility over time without you ha having to physically be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even, you know, uh, equally, if not more important, is that that individual, 
may and often will forward that around to other people who might be involved in in that area of the business. And now all of a sudden, those other people aren't just skimming an email and not knowing who you are. They're getting to know you. They're getting to hear you. They're getting to see you. They're getting to trust you um, without you ever setting foot in their office or ever having to met them. Um, I actually call that this notion of walking the digital halls at a business okay. where we used to in the old days, you know, the old days, five years ago, uh, you know, <laughs> no. we'd all use the phrase like walk in the halls, right? We'd say, you got to walk the halls at your account. You got to go there. You got to, you know, go around, build relationships, say hi to people. And, you know, that's gone away for, for so many of us. And so when we can't literally walk the halls, what are we doing? Well, now we're trying to walk the digital halls, right? We're trying to build relationships through these digital channels. And if all of a sudden I can pop up in people's inboxes all across this group, um, I'm, I'm doing that right now. Again, is it the same as us chumming it up by the water cooler going out for a coffee? No, no, it isn't. And if we can do that, we absolutely should. But in the absence of that, these micro moments where, again, you're, you're, you're genuine, genuinely getting FaceTime with them, um, it is really, really impactful. And so those little, um, I think the, all those little things of they can rewatch it, they can forward it around. And it's so much more impactful than just them forwarding a traditional email. Um, so I think that's, that's a really key part of it. And again, it's, you think, why don't I do this? Of course well, I should it's, do it's, this. <laughs> so as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking, how logical is this, right? If, if I was in sales right now, that's, this is exactly the strategy that I'll be putting out. And case in point, just take the audio version of that as in this, the podcast, right? Mm, yeah. So if you think about a podcast, and, and I know you do a lot of recordings as well, um, we get calls, I get calls from people who I've never heard of. And I just come out of the blue, I'll get emails from people I've never heard of. Right. And I'll say, hey, I'll listen to your podcast. I'll listen to this extraordinary podcast that you did with a guy called Tyler from the other side of the world. It was incredible. Probably the best thing we've ever heard. Right? Fire, fire. It's amazing. But the thing is, we never, we don't know where it goes. We don't yeah. know where it goes. So if you're really clear on your message, you can actually start to duplicate yourself, right? And what will happen, because I know there are people listening to this right now, and I'm going to ask you this direct question about, I don't have time to do all this, right? What's the, yeah. I've got so much pressure to hit my number. I've, yeah. got a, I've got a sales manager on chewing my house saying, you've got to do X number of calls per day. I don't have time to do a video, let alone do 15 takes <laughs> just to get a two-minute video, right? Yeah. But if they actually understood that you are now leveraging yourself, and the other thing is it's evergreen. When you do a video once, it's done. So as you rightly said, it gets sent to, say, a chief information officer. They see it. They review it. They get an understanding of who Tyler is. Hmm. I think I might share that with my chief marketing officer who shares it with the director of engineering. And so it goes out. That could be a process of a month, two months, three months, who knows, six months. Somebody sees it in six months' time. You are now invited into the organization and you walk in and they, everybody says, hey, Tyler. And you're thinking, that's right. <laughs> what? Sorry, have I met you before? <laughs> <laughs> Your hair's gotten a little bit longer since uh, we last saw you. <laughs> What's going on? So I think people need to con- con- consciously understand that when you record a video, just like when you record an audio, it has the power to be evergreen. Yep. Now, I'd, I'd love you to direct, I, I guess, have a, have a quick conversation to the people who are listening to this right now who are in roles where they yep. are under pressure to hit a quota. 
where they are under pressure to do X number of prospecting calls or conversion conversations or demos or whatever the case might be. And they're saying to themselves and they're saying to you as as we're talking right now, man, I ain't got time for this shit. I just can't do this, right? I've I've got a boss that's chewing my ass. I don't have time for this. You tell me I've got to do a video, please. What do we what do we say to people like that who are making let's let's be honest, making excuses to justify being where they are right now and not embracing what could be the elixir that changes everything? Yeah. So um, uh, I'll say a couple of things. First of all, one of the challenges has certainly been the technology. In, in, in the past. So if I were to say to you, you've got to go start making videos, um, you would say, I mean, first of all, I don't even know how the heck I'm going to do that. And do I record it on my phone? Do I upload it to YouTube and or TikTok and send them a link? Like, I, I don't like help me understand this. Um, so one of the really great well. things, dance moves. <laughs> we won't get into dance moves yet. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but one of the really important things to know is that all of those barriers to doing this are, are, are gone genuinely. So with the tools like Vidyard, and yes, there are others, of course, but I'm very familiar, of course, with Vidyard. And you can sign up for free. You can go to vidyard.com. You can sign up for an account. It's a nice little Chrome plugin for your browser. It's a little Gmail and Outlook plugin. And literally, within signing up, within three minutes, you can hit the record button, record with your webcam, record your screen. And as soon as your video is recorded, it's immediately ready to be dropped in as a hyperlink thumbnail into an email and sent off. You don't have to like upload files. You don't have to edit the videos, anything like that. So number one, if you can start to get comfortable with that basic tech, um, it's that that's a, that's a big win. So first of all, don't use the technology as the excuse. Yeah. Secondly, is that when you start to think about, okay, what videos am I going to make now? You and I talked about the prospecting use case, which is a great use case for video, but it's also and actually a pretty difficult one to as, as one to learn the ropes with video. Because when you're making a prospecting video, a lot of things are going on. You're trying to figure out how do I perfect this? The person doesn't know me yet. You know, I, I don't know if it's it's a high risk move. Um, it's a little, you know, it's a little stressful. I actually encourage you to start with people you're already in communication with. Maybe, you know, it's an existing client who is asking you a question. Hit the record button, answer the question, send it over. Right? That's not a video you're going to have to re-record 10 times. I promise you. Right, You just naturally respond to it. It's something you don't have to think too much about. You don't have to try to get too creative with it. Um, if, you're, if, you have a, if you're selling a, a software product or something you can show on your screen, right? next time you, wanna, you, know, you get on a call with somebody and they get all excited about a certain capability, after that call, just spend five minutes, record a quick video, walking them through it so they can visualize and go, hey, it sounded like you're really excited about this. I just want to show you how it actually works. So I'm just going to take two minutes and walk you through it in the screen recording. Send that over and just see if people like are appreciating that, right? If they respond back and say, Darren, that was great. Thanks so much for the video, right? Mm-hmm. You're starting down the right path. Now, those are opportunities that you might be able to, maybe you'll win one more deal of your in-flights because of now you're building more rapport over video. So that's a nice way to get started. And then as you move along, then you start to go, oh, you know what? I got this. I'm prospecting this person. I know exactly what I want to say to them. Let's hit the record button. Let's go. And you start to feel a lot more confident in doing, using it for things like outbound prospecting and and others where it's a little bit broader in context of what you might do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's, uh, I I find it just, uh, 
almost endless in terms of the possibilities. Oh, but yeah. I think the biggest the biggest challenge is going to be people who uh, are used to doing things in the same way, yeah. who are managed or have sales leaders who are also used to doing things in the same way, who perhaps are keeping a technology at arm's length because the here and now focus is, hey, Tyler, you need to hit your quarter quarter quota. You need to hit your monthly number. And yeah. we know that if you don't make X number of phone calls today, you ain't going to be there. That's we right. need to take a bit of a step back and think about, okay, what, what, how can we utilize technology? How can we be more creative to separate ourselves from our competitors who, by the way, are probably suffering for same sort of fixation on the old technology or the old, yeah. old way of doing things and say, perhaps, well, instead of having 15, 20, 50 calls, depending on what the industry is per day, dumb it back down and say, if we can do five videos or 10 videos, what will that give us in terms of impact, memorability, and possibly planting seeds that we start to build some knowability to the point where they want to actually have a conversation with us? Yeah. Now, I know you, there's case studies on your, on your website and stuff where it talks about you know, people busting quotas and stuff like that. From, from your perspective, what have you seen, say, just for an average salesperson who chooses yep. to embrace this new world who goes through the pain of jumping outside of their comfort zone and getting over the fact that you know what they do say that when you're on video you look about four times the size that you actually do in real life <laughs> because it has all these different pounds. so take all that aside all right yeah um what have we seen in terms of i guess statistics that says this has a yep. tangible positive impact on our ability to build better pipeline but also yep. crush quotas yep yeah. Yeah. Well, there's, um, yeah, there have been lots of different, uh, I think, reports from customers as well as, again, different studies that have shown uh, a few different things. So we talked about in outbound prospecting, your goal there is to increase your response rates. And of course, as a correlation, increase the number of meetings booked um, by using videos as part of that prospecting. And, and that's where, again, I think as a sales leader, as a sales rep, we all need to get out of the mode of focused on activities and, and we need to focus on outcomes, right? I mean, it's easy to say, we all know it, but we need to live that and, and say, well, your goal today isn't to do 50 activities, it's for you to book two meetings. And traditionally that took, you know, X number of activities, but what if that, what if you made 10 videos and booked two meetings and still had an extra two hours in the day then um, instead of doing, you know, 50 calls or 50 emails. So, yeah. um, so that's one thing is we've seen consistently videos ability to increase response rates and help outbound reps book more um, meetings or discovery calls. The second thing that we've seen um, again, consistently across the, the user base is the um, use of video shortening deal cycles, which I think is a really interesting one. Absolutely. Because you actually touched on it earlier where when we, get so stuck in our ways of what I would call like synchronous selling, right? Which is where we're, we're consistently dependent on the live meetings to move things yeah. forward. And yeah. we say, okay, well, our next meeting is in three weeks. So nothing happens between that. I go off and do something else. And then three weeks later, right? We hope to move the deal forward. Well, what if in those two or three weeks in between there, you started saying, you know what? On that next call, we were gonna walk through this, but hey, I'll tell you what here's a video that if you've got time on your own time, please have a watch and let me know what you think. And then all of a sudden that is like, oh, that looks interesting. And then you send another video. And by the time those two weeks come up, that next call isn't a demo. It's all of a sudden a pricing call now because yeah, you've, you know, you've been able to explain those things. So you can shorten deal cycles by embracing this idea of 
asynchronous selling and sharing information consistently. And video is a really powerful way to do that. And then we've certainly also seen lots of cases where people have reported higher close rates, um, you know, just again, by nature of using videos to not only build better relationships and better educate their customers, but the one other thing it does is it creates a greater expectation in terms of the, the value and the experience that that, that that client is going to have with you, right? It's like night and day when you go, hey, this rep over here, you know, kept, kept forcing me to get on live calls and send me all these like white papers that I didn't have time to read. This rep over here kept making me these three minute videos to really clearly explain something to me. And it was phenomenal. My expectation of my post-sale experience with this company goes way up. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think those are, are really important <clears throat> little things that, um, that, that if we do it right, absolutely the impact is there. That is and that is probably something that wouldn't necessarily be top of mind because most of us are used to doing things in a similar way and following the yeah. old beaten path of this is the way we've always done it. Yeah. But when you think about it, and I, I often say this to leaders and teams, we're always planting seeds and we're always conditioning other people on how to deal with us and how to treat us. So if you can, if you can treat a customer, a prospective customer with respect in terms of their time, not demanding a face-to-face demonstration or a face-to-face meeting, but send them a series of short videos that can do exactly the same thing in terms of educating them, yep. where they can see this uh, in their own time. But here's the other thing, they can see it over and over and over again. So the more times they see you on video, not only does your message become clearer, you get to start, uh, get to build a high level of credibility because they now you now become more familiar to them. That's right. And so when you end up being in that face-to-face meeting, it's like we said before, Tyler walks into the office and everybody says, g'day, Tyler. And you're thinking, have I met these people before? Oh, that's right. That's right. They've seen me on video. So the no like, and trust factor goes up. Yep. And that's why, as you, as you rightly say, the, the cycle of sales will actually start to reduce if we can embrace this level of technology and use it for good, not for evil. You got it, my friend. For, for those listening right now, you may not have known this, but this was actually an interview for Darren to get an account executive job at Vidyard. And you're passing with flying colors, my friend, because you know, I think everything you're saying is spot on. <laughs> but when you think about it, Tyler, it's so logical. It's so logical, yeah. but, but common sense is not that common as we, as we rightly know. Yeah. Here, yeah. Here's a question for you. Um, video has come so far, right? Yeah. Uh, as a as a visionary, I know as a chief strategist, you're going to be having to look at you know what's what's on the horizon, what's coming. Yeah. Where do you see the next evolution of of video? What's what's next yeah. in in relation to all this? Is there are we going to be reaching a point where there's only really small incremental improvements, or is there something coming yeah. that's going to blow us all away? You know, it's it's so fascinating because in um, in many of my years in in this business. You know, I always kept thinking, you know, that this next big wave of video is like 3D and 360 and interactive and all these like really exciting technology advancements to make video this incredible uh, interactive medium. And what's happened is that actually the, the real innovation in video was partly the democratization of it, making it accessible to everybody yeah. um, in some ways, almost like the humanization of it. And it's, it's so wild because even marketing teams, I, I, I hear time and again, they're like, we spent all this time and money producing this incredible thing. And then our video over here of like 
Jack just hopping on camera with a whiteboard talking about it got way more engagement and is associated <laughs> with way more pipeline. And people are like, I trust Jack. I don't trust the actor over there reading the script and the drone footage, right? It's too slick. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's wild, right? It's like it's blown my mind as a marketer. Maybe that's why I spend more time in sales now because I'm like, you know, forget marketing videos. Nobody trusts those anymore. Um, like we're living in this super transparent, like authentic world now. And, you know, all of us being on Zoom all the time at home has actually been a really empowering thing because the expectations of our audiences have totally changed, right? Like they're, they're more than happy to see you sitting at your kitchen counter or, you know, wherever you happen to be. So that to me is actually the most exciting thing. It's, it's the, it's less about the technology of video and it, in many ways, it's how it's become accessible to all of us. And it's, it's allowing us to use it as a communication medium, not as a marketing medium so much. Um, and it's, it's, it's starting to now allow many people to put their passion back out there with customers and prospects to, you know, to start to tap into a little bit of their own creativity, to have some fun with it, to make people yeah. laugh with it. Yeah. And I think that's a really exciting thing. So it's, it's not a great answer to the future of video because I'm almost, you know, suggesting that, I mean, the future of video is now it's just actually making it simple was, was really the important thing. Um, but, but I think that's the, that's the big thing for the next few years. And, and as we can all kind of figure this out and get behind it, I think it just becomes a more conversational medium for us to use, um, both live and recorded asynchronous. Um, and, and I think that's the, the real win in the next few years. Amazing. So literally going back to the future, but, um, <laughs> but, but keeping it simple being and being yeah. authentic. Cause when you think about it, Sales, marketing, when people do business, they do business with people. And yeah. we want to do business with people who we know, who we like, and we trust, who, we, who we've, what we've already talked about. But if there's a level of authenticity there, um, that translates in terms of the relationship. And it, in most cases, will give longe longevity to that relationship. As yeah. long as, of course, we've got a, a reputable product and a reputable service, and we actually deliver what we promise we're going to deliver. That's that's just a given, as we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a small, <laughs> small component to it. That's but it, right. uh, no, that's that's a really great answer. And I was hoping it was going to be like that because I, I thought oh, Tyler's going to come up with some. We're going to be telepathically <laughs> using holograms, and <laughs> it's the metaverse. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. So, mate, as we uh, as we wrap up, I know you've got uh, you got your fingers in some other pies. Like you're an author as well, and I was really curious. I noticed on your LinkedIn profile you. We're also um, head of the celebrity talent management at, uh, I love this, Salaton. <laughs> is that like a play on words? Sell a ton? It's, uh, it, it is very much a double, maybe even a triple entendre. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, uh, so I, I run as part of my, my life here at Vidyard. Um, I actually run um, uh, a media network called SalesFeed which we launched uh, just under a year ago, which has been a big passion project of mine for the last little bit. And, you know, the idea with SalesFeed was we kind of went out into the sales ecosystem, sellers out there, and, you know, thought about what, what kind of ideas, content, things uh, are missing in the community. What, what do we think we could bring to help people learn, to help them laugh, whatever it is that they're looking for uh, in more modern ways? We felt there were some gaps out there. And so I've actually built a small team and, and we're producing a wide range of everything from education to straight entertainment content for the B2B sales community. And frankly, one of the reasons we do entertainment is when I went out and asked salespeople, 
What do they follow online? What do they like to engage with? Almost all of them talked about memes, sales memes, yeah. right? We all love a good sales meme um, in addition to educational content, but more and more they were starting to lean towards more short form content. So we are really leaning into that and, um, and doing a mix of both. And it's been a lot of fun. Um, sell a ton, which was actually a parody commercial that we made, um, which was of course, based on the Peloton um, uh, fit uh, uh, training equipment. Yeah. Uh, we launched a fake product called Celaton, which was the world's first 24 by seven sales trainer, where <laughs> the world's best sales trainers come to you in your home and shout at you as you're trying to make a call. And uh, it was a really, it was a really silly but very fun um, uh, parody commercial that we made. And we went so far with the gag that we created a fake LinkedIn uh, company profile for Celaton, <laughs> to which I added my job profile as the head of celebrity management at Celaton. So I got to stop there because, yeah, I'll just right. keep going. That is awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> having fun having fun <laughs> mate i've got to say oh, this has been this has been a, a blast so thank you for uh thank you for jumping on now we've got to we've got to let people know if they want to get in contact with tyler um where's the best way to connect with you yeah uh number one is just uh connect with me on linkedin uh, yep. tyler lassard vidyard you'll find me there and uh everything else stems out from that so just connect with me on linkedin awesome Mate, uh, thank you for uh, thank you for taking the time on a evening in uh, in the other side of the world in the wonderful Toronto, Canada. Right, you're in, in right. near Toronto. Yep. Yeah. Um, greatly appreciate you jumping on. Thank you so much for sharing some insights around video. I reckon this is if 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 a salesperson, sales leader is listening to this right now and they haven't incorporated some form of video into their strategy, into their pipeline development and certainly into their customer management strategy, then hopefully this is a catalyst for them to start looking at it and yep. get over those barriers of, of perhaps, hey, what if I don't look great? Or what if I make mistakes? What if I sound ridiculous? Guess what? Do it anyway, because it'll come across as being authentic and your customers will thank you for it, guaranteed. So my friend, thank you so much. We've got to do this again. Got to have another conversation and uh, yeah. Thank you. Enjoy, the rest. Uh, my enjoy, your, Easter, uh, enjoy your Easter weekend. I will, and uh, I got to get back to practicing my dance moves for the next competition. So that's right. Thanks Tyler very Lassard, much. The running man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it, mate. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.